Welcome to the Crush the Fuck podcast. This is Justin Spencer. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects to success. And it's actually how to even identify what paths you can take to become successful. Recognizing opportunity. When I think about all the things that have created success in my life, I don't have to look any further than the paths that I've chosen and how to recognize those paths. Sometimes you can call it luck or fate, but for the most time, it's actually ceasing opportunity. In my book, One Life, One Legacy, I have an entire chapter dedicated to paths. And I'll get to that later on in this podcast. I'm going to read some, uh, some pages from that book and share those philosophies with you. But opportunities are all around us. It takes a ready mind to recognize them. So yeah, opportunities are literally surrounding us. Think of them as like, uh, as like radio waves or cell phone towers. It's literally surrounding us at all moments. Every person that walked by or every person that walks by you is an opportunity, a new friend, a new connection. Every time you, you have a job interview or you, or you reach out to somebody on social media or you, you, know, you take a chance and you go uh, do something out of your comfort zone, those are all moments in time where there's actually paths to different success stories, different avenues that surround you. These things are all around you at all times. It just takes a ready mind to recognize them. A great story that I want to share with you right now, kind of want to get right into this thing, uh, is a story of how really Recycled Percussion, the band that I founded and had a lot of success with, really came to be. And in the early days of Recycled Percussion, my band, you know, we would spend our times performing it at schools all around my home state of New Hampshire. We would spend a lot of time um, performing at you know, whatever event would have us for, you know, a hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there. And really there was never this, um, there was never this light at the end of the tunnel or any kind of, um, any kind of progression that would suggest that at some point in time we would have this incredible success, which we've ultimately had. And in this journey of mine over 25 years to build recycled percussion into a multi-million dollar global brand, it's, it's been, you know, there's been a lot of times where I thought we had already apexed. I felt like we had already reached the summit of our success. And my, my ability to recognize different paths and to take those chances have really paid dividends for us um, as a group and as a brand and as a company. And this, this holds true in your personal life. And that's why I want to kind of share this story with you today. So in the early days, I think it was around 2001, we had been performing uh, at this point for five or six years. Uh, again, like I said, just playing high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, and whatever event would have us. And we had the opportunity to perform the halftime show uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. It was three days before 9-11 happened in 2001. In fact, we had performed uh, the halftime show on that Sunday for the San Francisco 49ers. It was the biggest show at that moment in time for us. And uh, I remember we were getting paid like $2,000. And I thought that that was just absolutely astonishing to make that kind of money to play drums 
uh, on trash cans. These are these are shows that you would otherwise do for free, right? To play for 60, 70,000 people in an NFL stadium when you've been used to playing elementary schools and middle schools and high schools in New England was a huge leap for us. It was a big moment. And I remember negotiating that contract on the phone and pretending like I knew what I was doing. In retrospect, I'm sure that the seasoned veteran agents of the NFL were looking and laughing at my, you know, I want $2,000. And, you know, they're probably like, wow, these guys are cheap. I'm thinking we're going to be fucking rich. So we performed that show a couple days before 9-11 happens. And, um, and we get this footage. Of course, we recorded it on a VHS tape. And I got back to New Hampshire, and I was so pumped up. And I must have made... I don't know, a dozen, two dozen copies of this VHS tape. And I sent this tape to every agent in New England, from, from Boston to Hartford to Providence to Maine. I mean, you, you name it. I found every agency I could find. Uh, in those days, you'd use Yellow Pages. The, the Internet still wasn't as, um, as formidable as an option in those days. And I sent these VHS tapes out to everybody. Well, I get a phone call from an agent in Boston. At the time, this agency was known as Don Law Agency. They went on to sell to SFX and became Clear Channel as we know it today. But back then, we got a phone call and they said, hey, how would you guys like to open up for a band called They Might Be Giants in Keene, New Hampshire at uh, Keene State College? You know, we'll pay you guys, you know, $3,000 and you guys can be the opening act. And of course, we took it because, we, you know, we'd never seen money like that. And at this time, we're thinking... This is, this is amazing to have this kind of success to perform a show for $3,000. But the, the video of us performing this halftime show for 70,000 people got us into that door. So we performed the show at Keene State College with They Might Be Giants. We open up the performance. And in the audience, there was this agent uh, who represented They Might Be Giants along with some other big name acts that, you know, uh, that escaped me at this time, but you'd probably recognize them. These are all national acts. And he came up and he said, hey, listen, I want to tell you, you guys have got something special here. If you want, there's this, there's this, this uh, program called NACA. It stands for National Academy uh, of creative arts, it basically what, or something like that. I can't remember what the actual acronym is. I'd be lying. It was, it was an eternity ago. But the essential format was this. You submit videos of you performing uh, along with hundreds of other artists around the country. And they go to these, they go to these like, these, these committees. And these committees are, are comprised of different regions of America, of college kids. So it's all these colleges get together in the Northeast, the Midwest, the Southeast, the Southwest, the, you know, all, you know the, the Pacific Northwest, all these different areas, all the colleges get together at these, these events, and all the acts and bands that are selected by the committees can go perform uh, on your own dime, of course. You can go perform a 20-minute showcase to show your talents to these, to these college kids. And the reason why they did this at the time was because these colleges could get a break financially. If, you, if you're in the Northeast, you know, in your, all these different colleges, you could book an artist to perform for like two weeks. All these different colleges could split the money, and of course they could get better entertainment, more frequent for a cheaper price. So we submit to all six regions in this, this application process. I think the process was a few hundred dollars. We sent our VHS tape that we had made, and it was done through our agent. 
Well, lo and behold, about a month later, we get we get a call from our from our agent at this time. And again, we're still still playing high schools and middle schools at this point in time. And he says, "Well, you submitted to six regions, and all six regions have taken your band to be one of the thirty acts to perform. Basically, picture it like a battle of the bands. So it's bands, it's comedians, it's 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 hypnotists, any kind of entertainment." that you could have at a college campus. But here's the catch. It's going to cost about about $2,500 to $3,500 per region to go perform and showcase. You have to buy flights, you have to travel your gear, you have to pay for your own hotel rooms, you have to to pay the actual uh, NACA conference to be a part of it, you have to have a booth. It's It's a whole fucking, you know, it's a whole thing. So you're going to need about $15,000 to $20,000 if you want to showcase at all six regions. So which region would you like to do? Now, I grew up, I didn't have a lot of money. This has been well documented. It wasn't, um, I didn't grow up with, with a, any, um, you know, golden spoon. I worked my ass off to get where I was. At this point in time, I'm living in a $600 a month apartment in Goffstown, New Hampshire. I'm driving a you know, a $3,500 beat-up Volkswagen Scirocco, you know, remember the, remember those things? So, you know, my life is not, at this point, I, I'm, I'm early 20s, maybe 21, 22, my, my, my life is not one of, you know, a huge success at this point. So I'm like, how are we going to come up with fifteen dollars to $20,000? And this is, we could go showcase and nobody could book us. We can go showcase at these colleges, and this could be for nothing. And how long will it take us to pay back this twenty thousand dollars when you're getting paid three, four, five hundred dollars to play it at an elementary school or a high school in in New Hampshire? So how do you find the money? Who do you convince? So I went to my dad. My dad, you know, a hardworking uh, electrician, owned his own little business. I said, "Listen, Dad," I said. I had this opportunity, you know, I feel really good about it. It's a huge risk, but I need to see, can you take out a credit card and give, you know, give it to me and I can use it to pay for this, this, these showcases. Now these showcases are basically like every weekend for six weeks all over the country. Some artists got chosen to do none. Some artists got chosen to do a couple. We happen to get chosen for all six. So it made me feel good that, unbeknownst to each other, all these colleges shared a brain and a mindset that our brand, our idea, and our show was appealing to them without knowing. So I knew we had something special. My dad says, listen, you know, I'll do this for you because I believe in you, but I don't have the money. If you can't pay this back, you know, it's this is on you. And I said, okay. And, I, and I'll never forget it. He gives me this credit card. We fly to, uh, to right outside of San Antonio, Texas is the first showcase. We fly down there. We're broke as shit. The whole band's there. We bring our trash cans. No one had ever seen an act like what we were doing. At this point, you know, the Blue Man Group, Stomps of the World, the bands like that, they weren't big yet. So we were kind of on the forefront of this, right? You know, we, we, were the, we were in the front side of this. So here I am recognizing an opportunity. I'm recognizing a path. I'm taking a huge risk. I want you to remember that as this goes on. So we get to, we get to San Antonio, Texas, and we, we have no idea what we're doing. You know, there's some other seasoned veterans that have been doing this for a long time. 
there were some other seasoned artists that had probably done, you know, dozens of these things, and they already had their fan base, their repertoire. And we've, you know, there's probably a hundred colleges there, each with a, you know, a delegate. So each each college maybe have three to ten representatives that all go in these big, these big like banquet halls, and they watch all the acts perform. Everybody gets twenty minutes. You get like a ten minute sound check. You got twenty minutes to go up there, kick as much ass as you can, and show these kids that your your performance is worth bringing to their school. Then you have to figure out what your price point's going to be. You know, uh, if we're going to do one show, it's going to be 5000 If we do three shows in five days, it's going to be 3000 If we're going to do five shows in seven days, you know, it's going to be $2,500. And that's why these schools get together, right? So they get together so they can talk and go, hey, we all really like Recycled Percussion. Is there five schools here in Texas that like this band? Raise your hand. Okay, now we can all get these guys for $2,500. And it's much more advantageous for us to go to Texas and drive from, you know, New Hampshire to go play for 10 shows for 2500 bucks, so you can make 25000 right? So that's that's the mindset. So we get in there, and we're about ready to go perform. We, uh, you know, we think that um, we are... Uh, you know, we don't know what we're gonna do. We 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 know we're gonna give it. You know, we're gonna play our asses off, but we don't know if anybody's gonna get this thing. So, we go up there. We do our best twenty minutes we can, and you know, we we couldn't afford to stay the night, so we had to fly back. I remember flying back on a red eye. We played the show twenty minutes. We don't. You know, people cheer. They go nuts for the show. They like it. Whatever. It's about a five hundred people in a in a in a ballroom, and I'll never forget this. This is one of the. This is probably one of the most quintessential moments in the history of, of our band. Hold on here. I got to take my fucking sweatshirt off. Yes, I'm doing this podcast now shirtless. It is hot as fucking hell in here. Okay, but listen, we do the performance. We get back to the airport, and now all you guys are picturing me here shirtless doing a podcast, but that's, that's, we're going to have to deal with that. So I think I performed that show shirtless, so it makes sense. So we, we get back to the, the, the airport, and we got all of our gear because we couldn't afford to spend another night in the hotel. We were already four guys in a room, and my phone rings, and it's my agent, and, he, and it's about three hours after the performance. And I'll never forget, his name was Gary Bastaracci. And he gets on, on the phone, and he says, Justin, we just confirmed 30 to 35, 30 to 35 shows for this tour, just on this one performance. He's like, you did, we just contracted almost $100,000 in shows on that one performance. You have to understand, people. We, to make that kind of money for a band that has nothing, it was like, holy shit, we're going on tour. I've already paid back the credit card debt in one day to my dad. Now it's like, holy shit. So we go to the next place. We go to the next, we, every weekend, we go to all six of these regionals, and we absolutely destroy it. When it's all said and done, we book damn near a million dollars in shows at colleges. We break Dave Matthews' record and Carrot Top, the comedian's record, for the most performances and most shows ever contracted, ever in the history of, of NACA, this conference. It was so big and so huge. It was so big and so huge for everybody that when... When we would perform these regional conferences, they would have to shut down after us because every school wanted to have recycled percussion performed, no matter where it was in the country. So some of these acts, these comedians, these other bands, they're getting 
five, 10 contracts, which is a big deal for them. We're getting 30, 40, and the National Conference is getting 100. We're booking 100 shows in two days. So for the next, you know, five to seven years, we're traveling all over the place, making crazy money, just taking the college market by storm. And that became the quintessential reason why Recycled Percussion had so much success because we were able to write a 60-minute show and take it to the next level. The next level would end up becoming how we were able to be successful on America's Got Talent. And the reason for that was because when we did so many colleges for so many years, we already had a 90-minute, you know, we had a 90-minute legit show. So when we finished America's Got Talent, where we finished third, we were able to capitalize on that in Las Vegas. So you have to understand, this big chance way back when, when we had no money, we had to recognize a path. Way back when we did a halftime show, right after, you know, right before 9-11, when everything went to shit, I started making VHS tapes and I started putting those things out there. And that's going to be important because right now we're, we're living and operating in a world right now where we are scrambling and it's got that 9-11 feel where, the, where the, the communities, the country are having to rally and support each other. And that's exactly what this feels like. So it's important I tell this story and share this with you because I want to talk about today how you recognize those paths. Now, all paths don't need to lead to, to riches and fortune. That's not what this is about, okay? I mean, I want you to understand, I, I, I basically spent 10 months a year on the road traveling on a tour bus. I missed all my family's birthdays and weddings and anniversaries and holidays. I mean, we worked our butts off. We're one of the hardest working bands I think there's ever existed. I'm not exaggerating. You know, it, they'll give it credit to people like the Rolling Stones. They're not setting up their own equipment. We were lugging our own equipment in every night. We were buying sound. We were driving our own tour buses. I mean, we worked our asses off to get prepared for Las Vegas. And then we got to Las Vegas, we worked even harder. And here I am today working even harder than Las Vegas. It never stops, right? So paths are sometimes chosen for you, okay? Or they become easier to identify, right? So a path can be chosen for you if you're in a situation where maybe you get fired from your job, um, you, you, you get diagnosed with you know, uh, cancer, something traumatic happens in your life. Sometimes those paths are kind of chosen for you. You're kind of forced down that path. Uh, or they become easier to identify. And my whole philosophy is if you're paying attention and you really recognize different paths, they become easy to identify. Now, in my book, One Life, One Legacy, and if you don't have it, you got to get it. Uh, you can get it at chaosandkindness.com. Uh, super easy. Right? It's One Life, One Legacy. It's a phenomenal book. Took five years to write. Uh, talks a lot about my experiences. I want to read a couple paragraphs for you. Uh, this is uh, page 35. If, I know a lot of you have my book. This is page 35 in the book, and it talks about creating new paths. Um, I'm going to read this the best I can, word for word, and not let my ADD get in the way. The way you make your own path is to make your own crossroads. The confidence you earn from traveling the path you choose can give you the ability to take on new challenges and even more risk. Soon, you aren't just looking for decision points. You're making them. When you see someone who seems to be able to get from a point A to point C without going through point B, it may look like magic but you're really just looking at someone who understands paths. I spend a lot of my life flying on airplanes. Like most people, I sometimes just want to put on my headphones and keep my head low until I reach my destination. 
I know that the person sitting next to me might be doing the same thing. Every now and then some, something happens. You offer your seat to someone to some, or somebody in the family so they can sit together, and suddenly the ride changes. When you sit back down, you look at the people differently. You wake up briefly to the possibilities all around you, and that may be what it takes to get you to open up. Talk to your seatmate and discover someone who can change your life for the better or inspire you in some way. I remember reading about a rich executive of a major company who always took the time to ask the people he sat next to on a plane at least a few questions. He always wanted to know who they were, where they were from, right down to their address. He'd also ask for their birth date. He said it was just a habit and he had adopted it, a way to make his plane flights meaningful. But he would always send them a card on their birthday. Just imagine what it felt like to get a birthday card out of the blue from someone you barely knew. It would sure get your attention. Who knows how many doors he opened with the simple birthday cards? Who knows how many lives were changed by that simple act of kindness? That was a man who knew how to make his own crossroads. So from the road less traveled to the highway to hell, our decisions determine our paths. It's sentimental to think of the past as a bunch of memories, like a scrapbook, but it's actually a roadmap, a set of directions on how to get where you really want to go. The paths you have taken have brought you to where you are today, ready to set out on adventures of your life so there are no regrets. Understanding paths is like having a personal GPS that can set the course to any destination. And remember, the path never really ends. There's no ETA. The itinerary of your path is your life from birth to death, and there's no telling what the effects might be. When you're no longer traveling your path, you have still blazed a trail for others to follow and carry on where you left off. Use the perspective you've gained from the paths you've traveled and fix your eye on your legacy and nothing can stand in your way for long. Now, if you didn't, if you didn't understand what I was saying there in the book, go back and listen to it right now. Go back and rewind it. There's some great nuggets in there. It's all about recognizing. This man on the plane that I'm speaking about, He's just, he's just making bonds with people. He's making friendships with people. And every time you do that, you open a new door, right? So he recognizes that there's an opportunity. Well, he could sit on that plane ride for three, three or four or five hours and essentially stay to himself. He can make the argument that if he's flying 50 times a year, that's 50 conversations, that's 50 people that he could meet. And the law of averages are, of those 50 people, there's a handful that could change his life. He's recognizing and ceasing the opportunities. I said earlier that these paths are like radio waves. They're all around us. And sometimes they're, they're, they're forced on us. Open your eyes. Be looking for these paths. Don't be afraid. Taking chances is the only way to live. Otherwise, we just sit there and cycle ourselves. We have the same friends, the same circles, the redundancy of life. It never changes because we never get off the same road that we're on. These days right now are ideal for this mindset. You've been given a gift right now. Well, right now seems like a scary time to live. Things are changing at rapid pace. So many unanswered questions. So much anxiety about the future. A lot of you are scrambling. Is it a blessing? I think it is. I think you have a chance. 
to recognize a path easier right now than you might have before because we get so comfortable. We get comfortable in so many ways. We get comfortable, we get comfortable with our belongings, our relationships, our friendships, our job. And we don't recognize these opportunities. So now I'm sitting here, I'm pondering to myself, wait a second, Justin, what opportunities? Well, I'm ceasing it right now. For over a year, I've wanted to launch this podcast. It, was meant, it, it meant a lot to me. It was finding the time to do it. I knew I could inspire a lot of people. I knew that giving this free platform could make a difference in so many lives. I spent so much time on my content. I put so much effort into my work. And look, all my shows were canceled for months. We're quarantined at home. And I'm using this as a new path. You're listening right now, live, in motion, me changing paths. Living, breathing proof that I'm speaking and living and doing what I say. If you're looking to really change directions in your life, get my book, One Life, One Legacy. It's not a sales pitch. It's a fucking legit reality that this book can change your life. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, you can get it at chaosandkindness.com. It's basically 200 and something pages. Let's see here. It's 200, eh, 195 pages of absolute inspirational warfare. It's The whole thing is geared to help you change your mindset, change your path. Do it. You've been given a gift right now. Recognize the crossroads. Take chances. Don't be afraid. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a wonderful podcast. Probably one of my favorite ones I've done so far. I think the content's great. Meaningful stuff. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you get you can get alerts when I put a new one up. Uh, please review it. Even if you don't like it, give me a one-star review. I don't give a shit. Just tell me what you think, what you feel. Love it. I'm loving you guys. Loving talking to you guys. This is, this is just as therapeutic for me as it is for you. Uh, be back tomorrow. You've been listening to the Crush the Fuck Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and visit chaosandkindness.com for more.